0: Good morning Redemption Church, Pastor Vince here, uh, excited to be with you. If if you're tuning in for the first time, you have no idea who we are, it's just uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us as well this morning, and uh, hopefully this morning you're ministered to and, and the Spirit of God does some awesome work in the midst of us. Um, I want to say this, last week uh, we had a couple hiccups at the start of... Uh, The live stream and apologies for that. I think we'll have it all dialed in for you this morning But it's great to be with you all again. Um, We're going to continue on in our series through the Lord's Prayer Um, And so if you weren't with us last week, just kind of a brief recap We're we're doing a series through Matthew chapter 6 Just looking at when Jesus tells us specifically like this is how I want you to pray I mean, it's as explicit as we can really get and so if you did miss last week, there was a um a short Jesus storybook Bible video for your kids to watch, and it was really good. Uh, for adults as well. It's like four or five minutes long. It's well worth your time. You can find that in the toolkit that I think Kaylee will talk about here in just a little bit. But I just really encourage you to go back and look at that. So um, if you're not familiar with the context of, of the Lord's Prayer, the background of it is um, people had approached Jesus. They're asking him about like how we should pray and what that should look like. And and Jesus' response was essentially trying to move them to an idea of prayer that was focused on the, the internal rather than the external, really like what's going on in your heart and your mind, less like what are you showing on the outside. understand that like prayer ultimately isn't about like what we bring to the table, but what God has. So um, at the, at the central aspect of prayer is really, um, do, do we have faith and hope in the one who actually listens and then can answer those prayers? And that's the heartbeat of then when he moves into Matthew chapter six, verse nine, which if you are at home and have your Bible turn to that now, Matthew six, nine, and he starts off with what's called the Lord's prayer. And so let me read that for us again. It's verses nine through 13. Uh, And then we'll we'll go from there. So he says this, uh, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Last week we zoomed in on the "He's our Father in Heaven" piece, right? Like the the initial kind of salutation of the Lord's Prayer, and we we zoomed in on a couple main ideas. One that Jesus, because of his invitation into the family that we is really achieved and, and purchased for us at the cross, uh, we are invited into the family where we can now address God as father as as dad like he is he sees us as that he, he invites us in like that um, but the second part of it is our father in heaven and, and we said this isn't a matter of location but rather of power right like this this god who allows us to pray to him as dad as father is also the sovereign ruling lord god king over all the cosmos and so in the midst of this we get to approach approach that God now. What we're going to look at today is the second half of that first clause. So it's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, now this isn't a term that we we often hear used right in in our vernacular and in daily language. Uh, unless unless obviously, if you're British, you're like hello, you know stuff like that. Um, I debated using that one. I kind of regret it now, but we're not going to change it. Um, but really, I think the thing that we uh, that we come up, we're laughing now, but Kaylee's actually laughing on the other side of the camera right now. And so I at least got her to laugh. Hopefully it worked for you guys, too. Um, but here's the thing. I think when we think Hallows, what, what we can kind of ascend to is... Is Like I think Harry Potter like it's literally as I think through this I'm like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Like that's that's the thing I go to and if you're not familiar with that film I'm gonna ruin a bit of of the last chapter for you. I'm gonna ruin a bit of book seven Um, When it's talking about the Hallows there's a lot of debate What is she talking about when she was writing this and again? I haven't actually watched this This is just what I've heard from other people. We don't watch that that witchcraft and stuff, but um, the Hallows in the film are these things that are like sacred things in the story, right? Things that are gonna have massive impact in the ending of the story, in the climax of the story. Things made, kind of set apart wholly sacred uh, for, for, for the film, right? It's you had his wand, the resurrection stone, uh, and the invisibility cloak, like these three kind of major things that were set apart sacred objects within the film. and. And, and this is the idea of what's what's kind of being moved here now um, l- let me think of it this way or, or bring it to you this way it's it's not so much that by saying something is hallowed like when, when you hallow something it doesn't make that thing that thing if that makes sense so in other words think, think of Anthony who's who's sitting off to, to my right here right now um, Anthony is honestly one of the most compassionate men I know like it's 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 bewildering sometimes, like how much his heart is able to disconnect with people and with emotion and with what people are dealing with. Um, now, when I say that Anthony is compassionate, when I, when I set that up, it's not that by me saying it, he becomes compassionate. It's that I am ascribing it to him because that's what he already is. Right? If compassionate, like he's funny. Many of you guys know him as really funny. Uh, he's one of the funniest guys I know. Like, again, he doesn't become funny because I said it. He just is funny. And then now we say it. This is what Jesus is moving the people of God to. It's not that in this hallowing, we are ascribing something to God that he doesn't have. It's a moment for the church. It's a moment for the people of God to corporately come together and say, this is who God is. Like he is holy in his very being, and that's who we talk to as we pray. And Jesus introduces us to that. So here's what I'd like to do before we, we kind of break down a few points of, of really what this means. Uh, there's this, like, honestly, amazing video. I believe it's like six minutes, seven minutes, um, done by our friends over at the Bible Project on this idea of holiness. And it's one of the, honestly, it's one of the best things we've seen. And so I'm gonna pause for a moment. Uh, we're gonna watch that video together and, and then I'll cycle back and then we'll break down more of the text together. So enjoy that and we'll see you in just a minute. You've probably
1: heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So. God is holy because he's morally perfect.
2: Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So, a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful as the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy.
1: Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because
1: he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear and God says,
2: hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place, it's the hot spot of God's presence and whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple you're in proximity to God's holy presence which is dangerous.
1: Yeah this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work?
2: Well in the Bible the solution is that you need to become So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim.
1: Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs>
2: totally. So it flies over with a hot coal and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow. Makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness, he's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development. This time from another prophet Ezekiel and he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it and then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert leaving this trail of green trees behind it and then it flows into the Dead Sea making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and
1: then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple making things
2: pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure. People with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus but instead Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple. So that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them.
1: So this is our part of the story where we find
2: ourselves now. but. Where is this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life.
0: Okay, welcome back. Um, I hope you enjoyed the video. Uh, again, just the arc and the reality of this, this holy God that we serve and that now we're invited to pray to, right? Like It's the, the narrative of how this whole thing is, is moving towards Christ and, his, and then like his invitation into us being part of that. And so I have three points I'd like to cover for us this morning, thinking through the lens of, okay, when we come down to prayer, like like when we as a church, when we as individuals, when we can come to a text like this where Jesus is very explicit, hey, pray like this, like this is exactly how I want you to do it, um, what does it mean as we say those words? Like what are, what are a few of those points? So as we pray, hallowed is your name. The first point is we, one, we magnify his holiness, okay? Uh, we, we literally, so mag, right, magnification, you zoom in, we see closer, uh, that which at times it feels like we see in a distance. You understand? Uh, and so let me give you like an illustration. So um, if you are, um, say you are in New York City, Okay, and uh, you're you're walking along, and you see the Empire State Building from a distance, right? Like it, it looks pretty big, right? Like you get this idea, but it's a whole nother thing. The closer you get to it, when you stand at the bottom of, of literally a hundred-story building and look up, the sheer grandeur of the building just it, it expounds, right? It's just wow, this thing is. It's far more glorious. It's far bigger. It's far more massive and and intimidating and all that stuff. It's the same thing with the Lord. That prayer, as we've talked about, it it literally draws us into communion with God. It draws us into communion with our Father. And so the closer then when we engage in prayer, when we move this direction, it's this magnifying glass that says, oh yeah, like this is... This is who God is. Like He is, He's majestic and He's Creator, and and you could run down the whole list. I mean, it's it's A. W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy, or more recently, it's it's Jen Wilkins' uh, None Like Him. Like it's just these incredible opportunities to study the beauty and the grandeur. Of the God, Father, and King that we get to serve. And so, uh, what a, what a mo- wonderful thing that that is that prayer can do that for us. That if maybe you or I, in this time of chaos, in the time of COVID 19, and, and what does this mean? It's one of the best possible things, hear me, like, church, one of the best possible things we can do is see God rightly and see God as, as grand and powerful and, um, able, right? In the midst of all the doubt and the fear and the anxiety and the frustration, it's not that we we discard those emotions. Those are real things that many of us are sitting in and experiencing. It's rather we take those and we filter them through. This is the God that I know. This is the God that I serve. This is a God that has invited me in and and so on and so forth. So, um, prayer moves us closer to the majesty, to, to the sheer grandeur of his holiness, which which I, help, I think helps transform us and and moves us to a place of peace, and so that that's point one. Point two, um, when we pray, "Hallowed be Your name," I, I think we are humbled and transformed by His holiness. That that we we just can't stay the same. It's it's all sorts of reasons why. I mean, the closer you get to the grandeur of God, I think there's a reality of us um, realizing how not God we are. Like, like, like how lacking we are and compared to his beauty and his glory and, and all the things we've talked about. And so um, what that does is I think the spirit of God in the midst of that pursuit, in the midst of moving closer to him, seeing how big he is, I think that conviction that comes from, man, mean, I'm not that, but I want to be, Right. That the Spirit of God is trying in us to make us more like Jesus, to sanctify us is the term that we, that we use. That, in other words, by, by, the, by the, compared to today, to the day that you either leave this earth or Christ returns, hopefully you and I look more like Jesus. Like We would progressively get better because of the work of the Spirit of God in us. And this prayer moves us into proximity with God. It shows us his grandiose nature. It shows us the lack of our own, and it moves us towards transformation. Uh, as, as you saw in the video, that, that this is accessed, this is brought to us, not because we've tried harder. And, and again, in this season, the idea, we're, we're trying to get y'all to slow down. I'm trying to, to slow down, to as Paul says, like boast in weakness and and, and sabbath well and rest well and, and not feel like I need to like rescue the world. Like the idea in the midst of all of this and in the video that you saw is it's it's literally God who comes, who is holy, and through his holiness he makes us clean. Not because we've achieved cleanness, not because we've we've done the right things to cleanse ourselves. It's it's literally by engaging and drawing close to God and his power that we too are transformed and made holy. Just like Isaiah in the video with Ezekiel's beautiful vision of of the temple being the stream that moves forward, that then Jesus is the embodiment of that in everything that he's done. He made that which was unclean clean, namely us. And so Christian, like in the in the midst of this crazy season, like to be able to, To sit and relax, not just in how big God is, but also that that God moved into town and brought holiness to us when we could not achieve it on our own. Um, Praying like this reminds us of the gospel. It reminds us that in the midst of that chasm between the grandeur of God, the sinfulness of man, that God came down to make that which was sinful and broken and the enemy of God He came to make us whole again. He came to make us holy and part of his family and set apart and all these things that we longed to try and achieve on our own, but we never could. Like this is the movement of God and we access that and we see that through prayer. So so when we pray this, it's easy to just say the words like, oh, hallowed be your name, God, you're great, but to allow our hearts and our minds to be ministered by the Spirit as we engage intentionally with prayer in this season. The third and final point, Um, after all of this, and and again, you saw it in the video, that the temple was going to have streams of living water coming from it. Now, Christ, having drawn together the church as the new temple of God, the new house of God, that in the midst of us existing together, we now have streams of living water that are meant to flow from us into every aspect and part of our society, culture, and our city. And that takes the whole church. It's not just our staff. It's not just Kaylee and Johnny and Anthony and our deacons and uh, our different staff and our RC leaders. It's not just other church. Like literally the whole corporate church now is the temple of God. It's where the presence of God resides. That from us would flow holiness and peace and life. And in the same way, right, in the same way uh, that the seraphim, right, that he, he reached out and he touched the lips of Isaiah and made him holy and forgave sin and set him apart and, and called him to new life. Like that, that is the mission of the church. And we're doing that in in so many different ways. Just to to go out there, it, it's certainly through word. It's certainly through preaching the gospel, telling people about the coming God, right? Like that, that came to earth to bridge the chasm that we couldn't bridge. But it's also. Through the deeds of the church that we witness to the coming kingdom, which we'll talk more about next week as we delve deeper into this prayer. But but friends, listen to this. The last one, as you pray, hallowed be your name. Our minds and our hearts are supposed to connect with the God who is on mission. And now he has sent us to be part of it. Like all of this is jam-packed into the beauty of God's grandeur and his glory and his holiness is that we are to be a holy people, a royal nation, a, a, a holy nation and royal priesthood sent to the world to present the gospel to all, that there would be new life. That, that That's our mission, church. And so uh, wherever you're at in this season, and that's where we're going to keep kind of delving into the realities of of some of the difficulty of things we're trying to navigate through at this time, it's... It's, hey, at every part of this, God is present and he is big. Like he, he is far more glorious and holy than we could ever imagine. Uh, we are far more sinful than, than we'd ever dare hope. This is Keller. I'm just bringing up right now. It's just, um, but in the midst of that, he He has come to us that we would be a holy people to go and bring goodness and holiness to the world. That That's, that's all jam-packed into the bits of this. Now, the last thing I'll say to you, in the midst of the season we've often kept trying to say that we think potentially god is going to use this time as a you know potentially it's not even the right word god will use this season for his glory that's that's a, and i think if we um, if we don't get in his way if we if we're not foolish here he'll use it as a great gift to the church to to come in and to to expose things that need to be exposed and brought to light, you know, different idols that we have in the church, both as a church as a whole and then as individuals, things that we're just, you know, we're just really stuck on and, and, and we can't seem to escape. Like all of that we need to deal with and has to be, has to be reckoned with. And, and specifically as, as this text pertains to this moment, we can try as much as we want, to rest and to glory in, or to hallow and to worship, all sorts of stuff right now. Like we and we'll do, and the way that it presents itself is is what are we clinging to during this season, right? Because that's going to show what you think is of utmost importance. If it is right now, like, let's be honest, like, the the stock market uh, has had a couple good days, but on the whole, right, like, people are are really saying money is is a massive issue. And, And hear me, it really is for a lot of our neighbors, and we need to be present in that. But if we're clinging to that to be the thing that we will hallow, to set apart, to make holy, to make sacred, the thing that will satisfy and cure us or help us out of this time, friends, especially Christians... That are listening, like we've we've missed the mark, and there's all sorts of those things that we would seek to glory in now, that we would seek to hallow now, that we shouldn't. That in the midst of all of it, there's one thing. There's one thing that's calling us to glory in, and it's and it's just God. It's it's Christ. Colossians 1.19, that all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. He came close to us, friends. And so hear me, glory, 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 worship set apart, holy be the name of Jesus Christ and the work that he's accomplished in our behalf. i leave you with this text, Psalm 3, 1 through 4. It's a, um, a psalm of David, and in the midst of his life right now, Everything's crazy. Like, and he had hit the mountaintop. He had been king. He had had all the riches. Uh, he was had great favor from the people. Life was going well. Um, and then all of a sudden, he finds himself fleeing from his own son Absalom, who's trying to kill him. Right, peak of the mountain. To my son's trying to murder me, and so he has fled now. And he says this in Psalm three, verse one: Oh, Lord, how many are my foes?" Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Ready? My glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Life had completely turned upside down for David. Everything seemed backwards and he didn't know which way was up. But he knew in the midst of it that God was his shield and his protector. That life wasn't just going to get easier, but that rather God was going to be that in the midst of the craziness. Because he can. Because he's bigger. Because it's not about what we hold forth, but rather that he holds it forth for us. And we cry aloud to him now. And he will answer us as we pray. And so we'll end the same way we ended last week with this just desire in this movement towards church, please pray. If I can just beg of you to, to pray often, to pray with your families, to pray with your friends, to jump on Zoom and Skype and FaceTime conversations with friends, to call people, which is a thing you can still do. Like phones actually still make phone calls. Like you can call another human being and you can pray with and for them and for our world right now. So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Church, I love you so much. Um, We're going to transition now to a short video put together by our friends uh, at Redemption Church in Alhambra. And uh, it's honestly just this awesome poem done by a good friend of ours. And so enjoy that. And then Anthony will be up in just a little bit to lead us in a time of response. God bless you.
3: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy name, thy great name. What's in a name? That which we call our God, no other name can be as sweet. Abba. Abba, Father, by your Spirit we cry, your children, your chosen, once orphans, now daughters, now sons. Abba. Oh, Abba, would were you not Abba called? Be any less hallowed? Be any less holy? Of course not. For you, known by many other names, are yet still El Shaddai, God Almighty. Are you not? While Yahweh you gave Moses, Abba, you've gifted us. Why, Abba? What's in this name? The name by which we call our Father. How be that it is hallowed? How be that it is holy? revealed themselves in such a way as no other, man or God. For you alone are eternally paternal. Having loved the sun before laying the earth's foundation, oh, Abba, in this name we have love everlasting. Having created humanity from the dust, forming us in your very image, oh, Abba, by this name we have our identity. Having covered man at the fall, promising that a seed would one day come, O Abba, in this name we have grace and mercy. Having sent your only begotten Son, adopting rebels through his precious and righteous blood, O Abba, in this name we have family and redemption having central Holy Spirit breathing on dry bones communing with all who believe Oh Abba in this name we have life and relationship having central Holy Spirit breathing on dry bones and communing with all who believe Oh Abba in this name we have life and relationship having shepherd the lost and wandering sheep making from two flocks one oh father abba in this name we have protection provision peace having promised that you would never leave nor forsake us being with us always even until the end of this age oh abba in this name we have your presence having promised to come and restore all things Drying every tear and making all things new. O oh, Abba, in you we have hope, a future revealed themselves in such a way as no other man or God. For you alone are paternally eternal. Abba, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.